0: So, Pete, can you recall what it feels like to be in a budding or new romance?
2: I mean, to a certain extent, but it's funny because whenever you think back to times like that, you know, it's also, it's always like your memory is a little bit different than what actually happened. You know, it's actually kind of intoxicating, isn't it?
0: It really is. It really isn't. And, and we're both married and we've been married for a while, right? I'm assuming you've, you've been with your partner for some time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to, to remember that far back, but I do remember dating my husband and like the butterflies and the flirtation and the giddiness, as you're saying, like, you're just like, you're kind of, in, you're intoxicated, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a, it's a sweet it's a sweet feeling, and I love this episode because we get to to really see that play out, especially with uh, with Jesse and Jane, and it's this very sweet young couple romance that we, we get to watch unfold. And then we also get to see a budding romance um, happen at Beneke Fabricators, don't we?
2: I guess we do, don't we? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, so one is um, a, a more innocent, you know, young love kind of relationship, and one is rather scandalous, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um we were we were talking a little bit before we started and I I find it really hard to remember how this played out. I mean, how I interpreted this when I first saw it. Like I like I think you see clearly that you understand why she went there because of the money, you know, because of what happened. But it's pretty it's pretty right there in your face when you know what to look for. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about that and, and what's actually going on there.
0: So worth mentioning that this isn't actually the first time we see Beneke. It's the first time we meet the character. But the first time we actually see him is in a photograph that she she sees in, uh, I think it was in Down, the episode Down, um, as she's sitting in the nursery going through a stack of photos. And mm-hmm. she's looking at this photo of, of her and, and Beneke. So that seed was kind of already planted, right? And uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get more into this as we start talking about the episode.
1: You did not kill anyone. Does anybody think that you killed anybody?
0: Oh, I called the cops.
1: You called the cops? Yeah. You know, I
2: called and I split, and, you know, then they came in and busted her. Gosh, she
0: was she was so zapped out of her mind. You know, it's She did it for, like, nothing. I mean, he told her she was a skank, but, yo, I mean,
3: she was a skank.
0: This is Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Bad Rewatch podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Pete. And today we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 7, Negro y azul, or black and blue. So, uh, Pete, you want to give us a synopsis of what happens in this one?
2: Yeah, they kind of... It was one of those episodes where everybody's off doing their own thing, and they they just sort of come together at different points. Um, in the beginning, Walt isn't able to get a hold of Jesse on the phone. He's not answering, so he's forced to go over to his apartment. And in the process of banging on his door, he meets his landlord, Jane, Of course, she won't open the door for him, even after he says he's Jesse's father. But eventually, Jesse does come out and uh, lets him in. And he tells him about what happened at Spooge's. Jesse's obviously traumatized from this. Walt isn't really that concerned about that part of it. He's worried more about what, you know, how this might get, if it might get back to the police or if this might cause problems for their, their operation but what happens is is that Jesse basically is just sitting around smoking weed trying to forget and that means that Walt has to go meet and do the meet with Skinny Pete, Badger and Combo. While they're talking, they ask if Jesse really crushed Spooge's head with an ATM machine and that this lets him know that the story's out there on the street and it's making an impression on people. Walt knows that the version of the story that they've heard, the one that they're telling him, isn't true. But he decides not to tell them. He actually lets them believe it, and then he gets an idea. So he goes back, and he tells Jesse they need to expand their operation. He thinks it's the right time, which it definitely is not, if you think about <laughs> yeah. what, what, what we've seen in the last couple of episodes. Um, this is a terrible idea. Um, mm mm-hmm. And Jesse tries to explain that, you know, that these other crews wouldn't just let them come and sell in their neighborhoods. Um it's pretty basic stuff, you know, that that I'm not even sure if if we're supposed to understand that, you know, maybe Walt didn't think about it or if it's just that he just doesn't care. Like he's at, in desperation mode. And uh you know, we'll get into that in a bit. But, you know, eventually he get he talks him into it and he think he by basically saying, you know what, they can use this idea that Jesse's a killer to, in- to intimidate their competition. And, you know, he uses this blowfish speech, which I'm sure we're going <laughs> to talk a lot about. And, um, you know, Jesse buys into it by the end. So elsewhere, we have Hank. He started his job down in El Paso. He, he transferred to that office. And it's clear right from the very beginning that he doesn't fit in with the agents there.
0: He's so, oh that scene is so awkward. <laughs> yeah, I love the way I love the way uh Dean Norris plays it. It's great.
2: Yeah, one of my favorite things about this episode is that they have them speaking in Spanish and they don't put subtitles mm-hmm. to show us that, yep. that that how just how out of the loop that you know like they're they're definitely making him feel like he doesn't belong as well as it being obvious. You know what I mean? And uh, I like that mm-hmm. little detail of how. You know, generally, whenever they have Spanish people speaking Spanish in the show, they will have it in English so that we know what's going on. But they they make that specific point here to to not translate because Hank can't understand what they're saying, so neither can we. So yeah, we see this really clearly when they go to meet their informant. The lack of Spanish is something that's just he's just not qualified to be there really on a certain level because of that. And this whole gung ho style that they that he does, you know, this like tough guy, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't really fit in with how they do things. I mean, they're working with high-level people in the cartel who they have to, on some level, appease if they want to keep them, you know, getting giving them good information. I mean, they're putting their lives on the line, and, um, you know, he doesn't really seem to pick up on that at all. So, as, you know, back in in Albuquerque, after learning that Gretchen cut off the money, The very pregnant Skylar goes to apply for a data entry position where she used to work at Beneke Fabricators. She's getting the cold shoulder from pretty much everybody there, you know, the other people that are applying, the woman at the desk, but she's able to get around her and speak directly to Ted, the owner, and um, he offers her her old accounting job, which isn't better than what she was there to apply for. It's obvious that they have history, and later, when she's talking to Marie, it sounds like that history could include sexual harassment. Um, it's maybe not not Mr. The... Uh,
0: Mr. Gravy Hands. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and that's the that's the part that that you know you say that you say sexual harassment, and you think okay, that's the that's the lead here. But but I think in another way, like the fact that she kind of. You know, she kind of, like, explains it away to Marie is kind of telling there, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll get into that, I think, a little bit later. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So, um, when she comes in for her first day, she finds out that he's actually split up from his wife as well. Um, Mm -hmm. This is something she didn't know whenever she went there in the first place. And she even tells, you know, Marie in that conversation that that he's a family man and everything's okay and he's not going to put that on the line for anything or whatever. So Jesse does go, he finally does leave the apartment he goes to buy a TV and then later he goes to meet with his crew and he sells them on this new expansion plan, this exponential growth idea that, that Walt's cooked up. And then when he comes back to tell Walt that they're on board with it, Walt like immediately says that they're not charging enough. Like he wants to take it to the next phase, which is, as he sees it, to corner the market and raise the price. And the you know the the big thing that happens in this episode is that Hank and his fellow agents go to meet with Tortuga, but instead of you know making a bust or whatever they were going to do there, they get a message that uh from the cartel that they're on to them that they know about this and they get that in the form of a severed head on a tortoise that also happens to be rigged with explosives and the only thing that saves hank here is that because he gets so sick from seeing this seeing this head he sort of has to to excuse himself from the situation and sort of walks over to you know take a breath he says he's going to go get a body bag or whatever but that's at the exact moment that. The other agent lifts up the head and the explosives go off. And it, I imagine it kills the one guy, the guy who did that for sure. And then it injures a bunch of the rest of them. And um, yeah, Hank just barely gets out of that. And based on what we know about him as a character, he's not going to be feeling too too great about the way that played out either. And then finally, back at his apartment, you see that Jesse is starting to develop an interest in Jane um, after they had they had a short conversation out front, and he's she's really starting to get on his radar, and he invites her over to see his new TV. And while they wait for the satellite signal, she reaches out to hold his hand, and then the episode cuts to black. So, what did you think about this episode? What were your overall impressions?
0: So, I can clearly remember seeing this one for the the first time, and. Sitting up in shock when uh, the the severed head on the tortoise came into view, and then the second shock of the the explosion itself. So when I tend to think of uh, iconic Breaking Bad scenes, this is one that always comes to mind. Uh, I really love this episode. I love how it opens with the music video, the narco corrido. And, um, if you're interested at all in that genre of music or or because I knew nothing about it before listening to the insider podcast, if this is something that you're interested in, go check out the insider podcast because they spend like a good twenty minutes just talking about this genre of music and uh how they went about like filming it and writing it, et cetera, et cetera. So if that's behind the scenes stuff is is your is your jam, you should go check that out. Um, I also really like the budding romance between Jesse and Jane and how that's uh, portrayed. And I love all the the humor in this one. I think there's a lot of really great, funny lines that we'll get to those. Um, What about you? What What do you think about this one?
2: Yeah, I think the tortoise scene really does an effective job of making this a memorable episode. Otherwise, you know, we're... We don't really know what's going on with the Beneke and the Jane stuff in the beginning. I mean, it's easy with hindsight to go back and say, wow, this is really important stuff. I'm not sure if it played that way the first time I watched it. But um, yeah, I mean, you see this this tortoise and I mean, you know, uh, look, going back, I mean, it, it really... They did a really great job of the whole thing. I mean, you could, that really (laughs) resembles Danny Trejo there on, on, when it comes into frame, Uh, you know, right close up. I mean, it's a, it's crazy. And the, 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 the explosion, everything, I mean, the way that they put the sound together there just a just something that you know you couldn't really see coming like I, I don't think anybody would have you know thought oh i get it this guy's name's tortuga so this is going to be a, a scene where we're going to see a tortoise blow up with his severed head on it or whatever you know what i mean it's like I, it was it was definitely something that was um like oh shit okay this is this is the kind of tv show we're watching here i guess you know like <laughs> this is something um yeah and I mean and you and you met the the teaser too I think the first time you see this teaser you're like what is this you know what I mean it's like a it's like a, a like a low rent um rock video you know what I mean or not not a rock video by genre but you know what I'm saying you know what I mean it's like a music video and so mm-hmm. it, it it's uh it's really intriguing and um it goes really well with what 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 happens in this but it's a sort of a thing of like you're just sort of like what is this like it's a little bit different than what they've done you know in the past so it's it's interesting Um,
0: yeah and it's it's something that's meant to be uh, a separate from this world so the way Vince Gilligan explained like his conception of this music video is it's something that happens in the future right so Mm -hmm. once uh, Heisenberg you know starts to to build a reputation and he, you know, the, the mythology of him as as this uh, this drug kingpin and, and the choice of, like, showing someone that, like, kind of looks like the – has the telltale traits of Heisenberg without really knowing what the man's face looks like, that he's bald, he wears this pork pie hat and wears sunglasses. It's something that you can imagine happening in the future that starts to be informed by the actions that we see in this episode. Yeah, exactly. Here.
2: That's a much uh... – much more coherent um way of tying those two things together but that's exactly what i was thinking um yeah and i mean that's and i think that's like you know on the rewatch and talking about it right now that's the thing that this this these choices that walt makes in this in this episode are just just completely inexplicable in a way but you know we know where we know who he is by now we know where he's going so it's like yeah it all makes sense but Damn, you know, maybe, maybe just hang out. Like, you know, like I keep, whenever I was watching it this time, I was thinking back to that, those scenes, you know, I think it was in 204 where they're where where Jesse's saying like, look, you're, you're focusing on the negative, you know, like we're doing better. Like we, yesterday we couldn't sell anything. Now I'm bringing you like 15 grand. And they're getting money and everything's going okay, but like he, he, he certainly can't leave well enough alone there at all. Like he you know, he's gotta he's gotta get his hands in there and uh, make everything uh, just way more volatile.
0: Yeah, he does. And and before we get too much further into the episode, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about this music video called Open. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh as the the band and I think they're called Los Cuates de uh, Sinaloa. So it's like the the friends or the cousins cuates is like slang, mm-hmm. um, for like hombre. It's like another way of saying saying hombre, um, de Sinaloa, and that's a state in uh Mexico. Yeah. And um El so Chapo. like they're they're Yeah, they're like a a legit band, um, music group that they hired. And, uh, Gilligan himself co-wrote the song for this, uh, this music video. But, um, I also did a little bit of, uh, a little bit of research, um, on the genre of music itself, but also more specifically on this figure of Jesus Malverde. So, um, he's the statue, of course, that we see in the El Paso DEA, um, Mm -hmm. office. Uh, where Hank is like, well, well, why do you have that figurine? And then, you know, the guy turns around and gives it to him. I I I love how
2: he gives him the little one. Like, yeah, the the, the actor, that actor does a pretty good um, just one episode uh, thing. You know what I mean? Like he he I don't know who that guy is. I didn't I didn't look up his name whenever we were when I was watching it. But um, pretty cool little performance there
0: yeah, I thought so too. um I thought everyone in the El Paso office uh, did a did a great job but um this this figure of Jesus Melverde um also he first appears in the music video. so on their guitars they have the uh, mm. stickers of him, so that's that figure that with the mustache that we keep seeing. And then also there's a clip of um someone that's supposed to be Jesus Melverde in the video and he's like standing over a body. So um I was curious who is this guy what is this about because I didn't know anything about it um but he comes also from the same state uh, that um our band comes from so this the Mexican state of Sinaloa and uh, he's uh he's a mythical figure so I thought it was really interesting that they introduced this mythical folkloric figure into this episode and is specifically in this music video cuz well, Heisenberg himself is also a figure a mythical folklore mm-hmm. figure so you have these two mythical figures together so um just a little bit of brief history on this this guy so jesus malverde literally translates to um the bad green jesus and mm-hmm. um he is uh reputed to have like uh been some sort of like carpenter so like the the actual you know or the historical jesus christ mm-hmm. um a, ta- a tailor or a railway worker or something like that allegedly he was born in like 1870 and died um just after the turn of the century, like nineteen o nine, and uh he is considered to be like a, a Robin Hood type figure i I thought it was it was pretty interesting how um they they worked that in, and just like again that that parallel between mythical figures, so one who robs you know the 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 rich to protect the poor sort of thing mm-hmm. um and how he came to be synonymous with um with the the drug cartel is is an, is an interesting uh history as well. If anyone is interested out there, you can look it up on Wikipedia
2: yeah the one thing that i that i thought was really interesting about that what they were talking about in the insider podcast was the the idea that um Vince went into it with the idea that he was going to make it about heisenberg like you're saying like you know that that, that he was this um you know he was he was coming onto the scene and he, basically that they were they were lionizing him right But then Uh they they told him, no, like, you have to, he has to be the bad guy. The cartel has to win. You know what I mean? So, Uh so the, how they had to change that so that it was about the, basically the, you know, the fact that, that Heisenberg is disrespecting, not doing things the right way. And then he'll eventually fall for it at the end. You know, Uh, that was kind of, kind of interesting.
0: Works really well with the genre of the narco corrido, which if you don't know, that stands for a drug ballad. So the corrido is a, just means ballad and it's yeah. a, it's, it's a genre in Mexican music. So the narco corrido is a, is a subgenre and it, it actually, it began, cause I again did a little research on this and it began, um, like as early as like the, the early 1900s. Then, um, over time, it became kind of a way for the drug cartel to, Uh, to propagandize their message so often these bands usually like in the north of of mexico are hired or enlisted by the cartel to make songs that celebrate them and their you know whatever their pursuits and things like that so Uh you can imagine that maybe this is something with with that sort of knowledge that was um maybe uh paid for by the cartel and it's interesting that we have the clips of like tortuga who will meet later in the episode in this as well because they know he's a rat right uh-huh. um so it's it's interesting thinking of this music video and the message in the broader context of what happens in this particular
2: yeah it's it's, it's cool like i didn't th- th- this was the, the first time i ever heard of anything like this was watching this episode like it sounds like it was a pretty huge thing that was out there but I guess where I grew up and, and, you know, what I was into, the, this just didn't come into that mix at all. Um, mm-hmm. but, but they, I think that the, the, one of them said in the Insider podcast that one of the, one of the recordings that was available at Walmart was like the best selling. Yeah. The best selling <laughs> thing. And, and like that, I mean, I had no I, I mean, I just, like, you know, I, I grew up in the, in the Rust Belt. So there, there really wasn't much, um, much migrant culture at all, you know what I mean? Like that it just didn't didn't really wasn't really there when I was younger. So that wasn't something I experienced until I went out into other parts of the country. But yeah, it was huge, I guess, huh?
0: Yeah, I also was was unfamiliar with um this this genre of music and I'm also an east coaster. So um I'm I'm more familiar with like a uh, Caribbean culture um, so I'd, I'd never heard of the Narco before Interesting stuff, but yeah, I guess probably If you live in the southwest, you're probably Very familiar with it, because it's not just um, Music that's produced south of the border It's also produced along, like, in, a, along Our side of the border
2: Take a break, wander around In a fugue state, we'll be right back We
0: took it all We brought them To our land An endless night
3: The first of the summer shows to hit our calendar begins next week, so it's time for us to talk about the boys. Join us for the season four preview podcast this Thursday to see if the boys can continue to delight and disgust.
1: This is normally where we tell you about what's going on with the latest Prestige podcast. Unfortunately, due to the very hectic nature of our summer lineup, we decided to move Prestige to an every other week release schedule. That means no Prestige podcast this week. We'll be back with more Prestige covered soon. Don't forget about the bear. You
3: can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app.
1: We're just under a month to go until Badass Fest 6. Each year, we take the blockbuster month of July to celebrate the 80s and 90s action stars we grew up with. Big guns, big muscles, bigger explosions. If it's dumb, fun, and kicking ass, we love it. This year, we're inviting you to our hometown to watch
3: a secret badass film with us. Afterwards, we'll record the podcast. Get your tickets and full event info at baldmove.com live. No hints about the movie, except we're pretty sure most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be a real crowd pleaser. Our neighborhood theater features a full bar, all your favorite snacks, and we'll be providing some custom movie themed
1: cocktails. It's happening Friday, June 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the Queen City, Cincinnati. Get full details and tickets now at baldmove.com live.
3: And hey, if you'll be in town on Saturday and have an appetite for outdoor adventure, join Aaron on an optional side quest as he guides a group of intrepid Bald Move kayakers down our national scenic
1: river, the Little Miami. Once again, get full details on all main and side quests and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live.
0: Fire up the RV. We're back with more Growth Decay Transformation.
2: All right, so maybe we can kind of just sort of skip, you know, sort of jump from from story to story here because there's a there's a short there's a short shot of it's probably the the least uh the least significant classroom um trip we have with walt where he 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 refuses to give this kid two points right he 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 missed a he has a failing grade but he needed two more points he comes in to to beg and and Walt says, "Don't bullshit a bullshitter," and won't won't change his won't change his grade for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the tough teacher. So I was also because I always feel like they they put in interesting lines from Walt in these classroom scenes that give some yeah. again a, a broader understanding to what happens in the episode. So I, I look for them every time we see that. And the only thing yeah, that really.
2: Released- it's a strong force of attraction yep. this time. I, yep,
0: yep, yep. That's what I have written down. <laughs> I knew where you were going. <laughs> a bond, I knew where you were going. A bond is a strong force of attraction. So, And um, maybe we should just get into it because we've been dancing around it already. But this this uh, force of attraction that we see um, with uh, Jesse and Jane, but um, also with Skylar and uh, Benneke. And I think there's a lot to unpack with what happens with Skylar and Benneke because uh, – Pete, I think you mentioned when you were talking about your impressions that, like, nothing really stood out to you, uh, a, like, the first time you watched it. And, of course, hindsight, we are like, oh, f- this is how it all began yeah. and stuff like that. And something interesting about, about both of these relationships is how doomed they are. So it's a fatal attraction. Yeah, hmm and there are little subtle uh, visual cues that we get throughout this. So I th- let's maybe start with Skylar and Benneke because yeah. um, I think there's some really interesting stuff that happens. So first and foremost, she doesn't tell Walt that she's applying for th- or got this job. And um, you mentioned yeah. in the synopsis, like when she's talking with uh, Marie – that's when we learn that there is this history where he, there was some sort of sexual interaction um, between them before. So um, and then Walt walks in and, and uh, Skyler's like, you know, she gives the the hand signal, like, don't say anything to Marie because Walt doesn't yet know that she uh, she got this job. So I thought it was really interesting that she doesn't tell him. And he has no yeah, idea. and Junior until- tells him yeah, she's walking out the door, right? Like to go to yeah. work. So I thought that was really interesting. And, um, I was wondering, like why that choice so because, like I think you could read you could read a lot of duplicity um into her motivations, but I think there's more that maybe go might go into it. like he may be he may not want her to work, and he does start to to protest, like, what about the baby? Do you think this is a good idea in your condition? Yada, yada, yada and he starts to get upset but he doesn't really have a there there is an opportunity to really have that conversation cuz she's got one foot out the door yeah. already
2: strategically it makes sense to do it that way for her because she she could say hey i knew you wouldn't let me do it and we need this money so and this is the only way that i could you know go about it it's not really uh, i mean we we kind of talked when we had Aaron on last time about where they were at at the last, you know, I I kind of thought that that Walt was thinking that he got a little bit of a you know like a, a little bit of a reset as far as sort of the the situation the the cold shoulder and everything else that had been happening and and it, it wasn't really resolved at that and so here we just see her basically taking matters into her own hands right she's she's rather than just go out and and be nowhere for for you know, he he's back at work, so she takes up the you know, this opportunity to go get a job herself and she can she can get some money and that but there's also a lot of other stuff going on, it seems like, as as we're watching it, right? Yeah. So so it's it's a very interesting choice to to do that all because as I said it, it, it does make sense strategically if she thinks that he wouldn't let her do it um to go about it this way. But
0: uh yeah. Yeah. And there there are a couple of things that stood out to me rewatching it. So, um, of course, when in the morning when they're having breakfast, as she's getting ready for her first day at work. Junior says something like um, notice something different and she's dressed up. Right. And Walt's first reaction mm-hmm. was like, is there a funeral? Right. <laughs> and um, Skylar's like it's it's got a lower neckline. Right. And that's not something that you would typically wear to a funeral. Um, so I thought she looked really right. beautiful. Like she put a lot of effort into looking nice um, it's sort of flirtatious, yeah. right? And it goes it goes beyond just like looking apart. And we actually see the behavior is really quite flirtatious, both when she first goes for the interview, and then um, uh-huh. when she goes to her first day um, at work. And uh, well, something that stood out to me in, in that scene as she's unpacking in her office is she knocks over the picture of Walt and Walt Junior on her desk, and when she picks it back up, it's got a huge crack in it, and the crack is yeah. right over right over walt and then of course then um he uh, tells her that he and his uh wife denise split up so this we have the visual split across uh walt we have this idea of like a funeral so maybe you know metaphorically the death of their relationship i think you know it's it's a little on the nose right with like what they're trying to show us mm-hmm. is going on here so there's a a split between Walt and Skyler and, and their relationship and the death of that relationship as well. And I appreciate, you know, like uh, why they would do that figuratively, right, and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. we, I guess I, I went on a, a little bit of a rant in 605 um, talking about, like, the, the way they portray Skyler. And uh, I don't think it's fair, though, to really say that the dissolution of this relationship is her fault and because of what happens with, with Beneke. I think, you know, Walt mm-hmm. has already started that split. and uh, and maybe even without the w- without the benefit of Beneke, right? Uh, it would have been irreparable. I don't know. but, um, there's Skyler's an interesting character and and the choices she makes, like why does she decide to go back there to look for a job? On the surface, you could be like, well, she worked there before. It makes sense. She's familiar with the company. She knows the people that work there. But um, I think it was heavily implied, at least with the way she was looking at the photo. Of Benicke and down that this is something that she was thinking of and when she goes there and the way she's flirting with him it's I think um a little unclear at the beginning if she's using her feminine wiles to try to get this job back like there's the shot of her when she first goes to interview and she like you know runs past like the girl at the front and she goes and knocks on his window and like the shot of her like through the blinds and she's got like those Betty Davis bedroom eyes going on you know, <laughs> mm. I was wondering, like, if if that's her using, you know, what she what's at her disposal to get this this job, especially the way that whole scene is set up with all the judgment on her. Everyone's staring at her belly, you know, this hugely pregnant yeah. woman trying to get a job. And so um, I don't know. I think it's it's interesting the way. That they. Yeah, they did this. I, I'm not
2: really sure. I, I was just I was going to ask you the same thing whenever whenever I was looking at the notes earlier. There's two ways you could interpret that, right? You could say that she she still thinks about Ted, like, you know, like because of that shot of her looking at the photo, like she thinks, you know, that there's there's something that she wants to explore there with him, you know, maybe not trying to to go beyond um office flirting or something like that, but you know, maybe there's something that she that she 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 gets there, or she could be using it just saying like, look, this guy, he made a mistake in her, from her opinion, right? That, that she can, you know, she can kind of use that as a way to, to get a job. Yeah. Leverage. In a situation. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, you definitely wouldn't be able to say just based on this episode, but it's an, it's an interesting question going forward because, um, one thing that I th- you know that I th- think about when I watch it now is god Ted is so slimy, right? <laughs> like the whole thing that he's setting up here is like you think oh he likes he likes her so he's he's giving her preferential treatment but he's actually putting her her into a position that that he knows like that there's there's fraud going mm-hmm. on, right? Like all of that is front-loaded in his You know, like he's thinking, okay, well, this is someone that I can work with because she's really good. Maybe she can fix this for me. Yeah. Knowing full well that it's not it's not just a matter of like having the right person. You need to have someone who's willing to like break the law. Right. Isn't that? Kind of how it plays out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree completely. And I have that in my notes as well. It's it's a mutually exploitive relationship. Cause the way I, yeah. I, I read it is that she's going in there, knowing this history between them, and maybe, you know, there's some interest there. She likes the attention, perhaps. Um, certainly with things but really, being as bad as they yeah, are. But it's really, I think, to get the job. Like she's using the Yeah, because that's that, that is that her
2: problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Like her mo- her her problem is money. It's yes. not that she feels underappreciated or she's just looking to spice things up i mean she's the the her 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 primary motivation is that they just got they were just her husband's dying he's in this expensive treatment and they don't have any money exactly you know yeah so yeah so so it's it it is it's great the way they set this up in that they are exploiting each other without you know, really understanding why the other person is doing what they're doing, which is which is always a good um, good way to introduce a relationship yeah. in, a, in a television yeah, show. Yeah,
0: it's gonna, you know, it's doomed from the beginning. And um, yeah. just just one last point on this. Um, I think one of the things with Skylar is that there's, and it's not just with her character; it's it's with all the characters. There's a, a degree of ambiguity in her actions. Like I think it's really up to us as viewers to try to. Sort of figure out what's going on, what is, what is motivating her, what is she doing? And I think, Pete, it's really important what you just said to to really remember why she is doing this. She's not just going out searching from for some what is how does Saul describe it, dirty, dank, and deep. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's mm. um she's looking uh to to actually uh to bring in some some money. But Skylar is one of those characters, as we've been talking about uh, somewhat already, is uh, very controversial, and people feel feel very strongly about it. But um, to, do you want to talk about Jesse and Jane and and the similarities and differences between their budding relationship?
2: Yeah, I, I just want to just just to 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 tie that up. Though I, I did want to talk about the Marie the, with the mm. Marie situation again. Um, I mean, like I said, it, you can see that now as it's really telling. But. Um, I, you know, like I, I, that was something that jumped out at me at this time. The, like how, how quickly she, she sort of, you know, she sort of tried to steer her away from, you know, um, putting that on Ted. Like, you know, he was so drunk, he was practically swearing, slurring his words. You know what I mean? Like, she was really uh, giving him the benef- benefit of the doubt there. Because what the reason why I'm bringing it back up one more time was because later. You see that she lied to Walt about why she left in the first place, because she wouldn't explain this to him, right? She says that, he says, I thought that the, the fumes was the reason that you left in the first place, the welding fumes, you know what I mean? So Walt has no idea about any of that, right? Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the implication, is that something happened between them. She didn't feel comfortable continuing there after the fact. And then you know
0: you think so. So you think you think Skylar left because of whatever happened with Beneki.
2: Well, I mean the story. I mean it, it could just be the fumes, but it, uh, yeah, I guess uh, that's that was my impression when I watched it this time was that she left because of what happened, and but now she's willing because of the situation and being desperate that she thinks that she can manage it and it'll be okay. That's interesting. You know I,
0: mean? I just took her at her word because she said that she left before to focus on family. So, I don't know how long ago she worked at Benekis, but you know, maybe that's when Well, Glenn it was, was
2: before born. she was pregnant, so that's why I thought that that's why I thought it seemed out of place. You know, I mean, if she was pregnant, that that's why Walt brings it up. He's like you're you know, you, you can't be around those fumes and she makes this ridiculous thing that they have some kind of green welding now or something that she's clearly making up as she goes along, right? So, yeah, I I thought that that all amounted to her Feeling uncomfortable there, not wanting to be at the you know at the office anymore, and then um, having to make up that story for Walt so that he didn't uh, he didn't you know question why she didn't want to keep working there.
0: I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting interesting point. Um, I don't think I have enough information on how she felt about that initial. Uh, true situation. Apart, I mean, she mentioned it to Mar. To Marie, she told Marie this story, obviously, because Marie knew what yeah. happened, and Marie is horrified mm-hmm. that you know that she would go back and work for this guy. So you may be onto something, something there. And yeah, just because
2: because she says you you know, is Mister, whenever Grabby she hands, says she's going yeah. back, that's the first thing she says is 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 Mister Grabby Hand still there? So uh, that, I guess that's the stuff that I was putting together that made me think that you know the reason she's minimizing his behavior is because she has to justify the, the idea of going back there,
0: you know? Yeah, it could be, could be. And just one other thing about that scene with Skylar and Marie is, <laughs> and this is true for Marie throughout the series, but she, um, she's kind of the, the stand in or the conduit for the judgment of every, everyone else in, mm-hmm. um, in the show, but also like the, the audience, right? So, Again, when Skylar is first applying for the job and how all the, she's sitting there filling in her form or whatever, and there are some other women that are clearly there applying for the same job and they're all looking at her pregnant belly. (laughs) I love the line she says, big lunch, right? Um, And then also the girl, (laughs) uh, I guess, uh, Benicki's secretary is uh, looking at her stomach and you can see like the real tight lips and the judgment and stuff like that. And then Marie actually Uh puts voice to that though. She's like, as big as you are, you know, they're willing to work around that, I guess. Right. So uh, this, this uh, we've, we've talked a lot about this role of Skylar as the mother and as the perfect mother and, um, what mothers are supposed to do and how they're supposed to behave. So, smoking and now getting a job and now flirting with uh, someone else. You know, and she's she's committing uh-huh. all these cardinal sins of what it means to be a good wife and mother. So, I can see why people yeah. really don't like her character. I don't think it's a fair judgment, but um, I understand where where that comes from.
2: So, I mean, uh, it, we're in agreement that that Ted is is a slime ball. Oh yeah. On the opposite end of the spectrum, though, Jane. I mean, you got to kind of really enjoy this character introduction, huh?
0: Mm-hmm. And I think what's really interesting about their relationship again, and we we got to see a little bit of how Jane thinks and feels about Jesse and Jesse's situation from when he uh, first, mm-hmm. you know, goes there to to rent the apartment, and she changes her attitude when he finds out he when she finds out he has this kind of shitty family, and she can relate mm-hmm. to that. And then she gets to meet who she thinks is his father, who's very controlling and domineering and is like, well, you have to let me in. This is my son. And she's like, "Uh, no, you know, and she really goes to to bat for Jesse. And I mean, not only is she being being a good like landlord, right, and protecting the privacy of her tenants, but I think that endears her to him in a way because, you know, her own dad, as as she'll later tell Jesse, is a real hard Mm -hmm. ass. And so she might, again, that might be something that's appealing to her in a way that she relates to him more so uh watching that scene when jesse uh you know has the cup and he's like listening along the wall uh (laughs) something similar like uh, that i never noticed before but because i was watching this episode closely is like we get all the shadows of the blinds throughout his apartment as he's doing that so again like i was thinking of the scene with skylar behind the blinds at at benicky so you get this idea Mm -hmm. of like peeking through a barrier right and uh Mm -hmm. trying to see like if there's something going on here searching for signals perhaps. Um yeah. and then they go out. he goes outside and she's outside and having the cigarette and watching it. I'm like, Jane, don't do it. Don't go look at his stupid TV. <laughs> I'm like, don't do it.
2: <laughs> Just
0: because uh Just again. run
2: away. Just run away.
0: Right? That <laughs> fatal attraction there.
2: Yeah. I like I I really um I mean see the the I don't know if I ever appreciated the, the, the performance as much. I mean, I always, I always liked the character. Um, she's a great, uh, you know, Like you have, you have, you have this, this Walt, you know, you have this whole thing of Walt in the way that he just sort of bashes Jesse. You know, he does it a few times in this episode. It's nice to see somebody show an interest in Jesse that isn't, you know what I mean? Um, you know, that she's not really, I mean, of course she's, she's got an agenda as far as like he, he's her tenant and everything else, but like, I mean, she's, she's a pretty, she's always been a pretty good, um, you know, balance for, for, for what's going on and, and with Jesse and his relationship with Walt. And, um, I'm not sure if I ever realized that, that, you know, the, the performance is, is really good. Like she does a really great job of, of sending all those signals and, and playing all that without talking too much without saying much you know what i mean it's it's a lot of um it's a lot of subtle stuff but she she obviously like you're you're, at least for me like i was like okay yeah this this is a this is a cool character i want to know more about her i want to know like you know i want her to be in the the show like not just a guest uh actor like i want to see more of her going forward you know
0: She's uh, of course she'll end up becoming a foil to to Walt, so she's um, she's integral to the to the plot in that re- regard. But I also I I love the pairing of Jesse and Jane because she seems so far out of his his I don't want to say his league necessarily, but like out of his world. Like
2: uh, she she kind of does, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, because she's so she can you can tell that this is a bright individual and um so she's she's smart but she has her own history obviously she has her own problems and and troubles and stuff like that and And i guess
2: i guess that that that, not to interrupt but i I think that that's what i was trying to to grasp a hold of there is that of course, she comes off as she's really confident and and she's like you said sharp. Like she she's got all these positive traits, but you can also tell that there's something else going on below the surface, right? Yeah, that that comes out even in these early interactions. That of course, like we we pointed out that we saw that she has an attraction to the fact that um, his home situation was bad and that there's some kind of connection there. But I think in this episode, you can see that. Yeah, she comes off as like re- you know being all business and really really kind of put together, but there's there's something there's a secret in there, right?
0: Yeah, and you you really start to see the cracks in this this uh this facade that she puts on that she's this tough, hardened, doesn't take bullshit from anyone person where she really has this this soft spot, this weakness. For that, mm-hmm. whatever that shared trauma is that she perceives with with Jesse, and I think it's really Jesse's naivete and his innocence that speaks to her. Right, like everyone that maybe the way she perceives him is the way that we are largely primed to see him as well. That this is just—he's um, a good kid, he has a good heart, yeah—and um, he just needs a break, right? Everyone kind of uses him and manipulates him and shits on him and has you know, his his family's unfair to him, and he doesn't deserve any of it. And that probably has a lot of to do with herself and her own history with her family, with her father in particular and her trauma and how she's projecting, I think, a lot of that onto him.
2: I'm just really happy that he cleaned up all those Funyun bags yeah. before he invited her.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the
2: most underrated things about this uh is the amount of empty Funyun bags that they put in his, his bedroom on the ground. I, I don't think I noticed just how many there were. When I watched this episode before. Yeah, they're everywhere, it,
0: all over the counter, all over the floor.
2: He says, give me my weed back. It helps with my nausea. And I'm thinking like, yeah, that's b- maybe because of all those funions that you ate. Like, you know, you haven't been in there that long. <laughs> That's not good for the story. Yeah. I mean, it works well be. for
0: his his cover, though. In the the previous uh, one of the previous episodes, when he um tells Hank that you know he was hiding up in the hotel room, just eating vending machine food with uh with Wendy, and also when they break down later in yeah. the in the desert, and uh, all he brought was Funyuns, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, mm. I don't know how how Jesse survives, <laughs> but
2: classic line. You're a good drawer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They set that up pretty good with him, you know, him looking at his drawings from when he was younger and kind of thinking back about that. Um, what do you think about the, the guy on the, the chopper who comes by and, and calls him out there?
0: Hey, Pinkman, you're Pinkman. You're the man.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I thought it was sweet how Jesse um came clean to her, and um you know, again, like thinking about Jane and her attraction to Jesse, she knows he's lying um, and he confesses you know this this isn't really my name, that guy wasn't really my dad, and she doesn't care, you know, like I don't maybe I don't yeah. uh, thinking again of her attraction to him, um it really seems against yeah. all better judgment
2: yeah i i think that i think it's it's funny it, yeah that's a good scene because she obviously knows that when the guy comes by on the motorcycle that is his last name is pinkman yeah. like it doesn't really need to be made it doesn't really need to be made um he doesn't have to clarify that but because of who he is and like you said is sort of like his na- you know like he's a naive kind of person in that way like so, yeah, so he comes out and he says that. I don't think there's any manipulation at all there, right? Like, that's just him yeah,
0: well, he's so trying to come clean. <laughs> he's so stupid. He didn't realize it, right, when the guy called out his name. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you know, he's kind of embarrassed that this guy called him called him out, like, just because this guy recognized him, right? Um, and he, that's just because of the the story going around town that he killed uh, Spooge. But he doesn't seem to to recognize that he called out his name until she says it and she goes Pinkman, huh? I thought your name was Jackson. And then you see the <laughs> look on his face. He's like, oh yeah. shit, <laughs> and he just walks away. You know, he knows he has been had there. But it didn't occur to him until she mentioned it.
2: Right. So yeah. So he 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 does that. He comes clean. She already knows the answer. She doesn't point that out to him. She just lets him have his moment. And it does seem to endear. Her. You know him to her, like you know he she she finds that um to be a good quality, you know that he's he's doing this even though it's it's it should be painfully obvious that he doesn't need to so yeah that's a, that's an interesting little interaction there because um yeah there it, he started off on the wrong foot, right he lied about everything.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, she kind of uh, knew that, though. Like she, yeah. But
2: it, yeah. she just sort of upped the price. Yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, the DBAA fee.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so it's uh, the, yeah, so neither one of them. There's, I I think that that's another thing. I I really like the choice of the way that they actually you know move to the next step, which is they're inside and Jesse is like making all this ridiculous small talk about um. You know, it's got Dolby six point whatever, yeah. and it's, uh, it's got the really, really, really black blacks. You know, like the, the basically the stuff that the salespeople would tell you when you go into to Best Buy or whatever. You know, the store is.
0: <laughs> or isn't and, it, um, Isn't it his friends that talk about it? Um, was it? Combo? Yeah, they were doing the yeah. same
2: thing when he. Yeah, they were. They were had there. The, that's what I thought of in that conversation too. Was that it's all just like you know. They're just they're just saying stats that you would you would get from, uh, you know, reading an ad or something like that. But, um, yeah, so, you know, he he's sitting there and um, then they have the uh, they make it the her choice to to reach out to hold hands and in um, that awkward silence. And that, that that's kind of it looks like really sweet when you see it the first time. Right. Mm hmm. And, it, and you're like, oh, well, that's, that's cool. You know, she made the move then, but then, you know, when you think about it later, that sort of sets the tone for, for, you know, how they interact as a couple too then. Right. How do you mean? Be, well, I mean, like, um, she's going to,
0: she takes the initiative. You mean and kind of dominates? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. That that's sort of the way that it's headed. You know, it doesn't look like that when you watch this, but then, you know, whenever you think back, you're like, Oh yeah, she did make the first move, didn't she? Yeah, you know? she did.
0: And um, you know, when I was uh when I was thinking of the the teaser for this episode and thinking of budding romances, how awkward Jesse is and he's <laughs> he's just trying to fill the silence. And she's quite comfortable sitting in the silence, just staring ahead and you can't read her face, it's expressionless. And I love the way yeah. they did that, and we'll talk more about this later when we get to favorite, you know, t- uh, spoiler favorite yeah, shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh-huh. um, I, yeah, there's a lot, a lot I want to say about this, but I don't want to get too far uh, ahead of ahead of ourselves um, there. But um, thinking specifically of Jesse though, and and uh, I love the way Aaron Paul plays that, and uh, thinking of again awkwardness. So we get to see how awkward Jesse is in this situation where he really feels out of his element. And um, as we were saying, you know, she's somewhat out of his out of his league, and trying to impress her. And then um, maybe this is a good time to to transition to talking about t- uh, Hank and someone who's really yeah, out of that's his what I was yeah out of his element and how awkward uh, speaking he of is. being out
2: of your element.
0: <laughs> Seriously, so Man. Hank in El Paso. Yeah, and I, and I think
2: that this is this is something that I probably didn't appreciate it, at first, but it the, I mean he. This is, this is great, because this is the, the character, this was one of my major, uh, you know, this is a person that I, this is a character that I did not care about in the beginning. I, I actively disliked. I was like, why does this guy have to be in this show the first time I watched this through the first couple of episodes, you know what I mean? And so I really like the idea that, that, that those things that I didn't like about him are exactly the reasons why he doesn't fit in at this new job. You know what I mean? Like that's a great read on 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 how this character is has been constructed,
0: I think. Yeah. So I mean he's used to being a big fish in a small pond in, in Albuquerque. And mm-hmm. even the, the DEA of El Paso kind of talk about that, you know, when they're they're out in the in the field and they're looking for, for Tortuga. Uh-huh. Maybe he's like, you know, hot stuff down there, but, uh, and then you bring him really out of, you know, fish out of, out of water sort of thing here. He's, he's uh, so awkward. And one of my favorite lines in that scene um, is how he's like, yeah, a great group of guys. Oh, and gals, right? Like he's suddenly, you know, conscientious of these, of these things and what we've been presented with Hank so far as, you know, he's he's really big on this sort of sexist, misogynistic talk, you know, talking about getting tuckies from Shania Twain and stuff like that, you know. So for yeah. him to suddenly be aware of his of his surroundings and that really painful laugh that he does. Um Pete, you, right. you already yeah, mentioned it. You already mentioned it when they start speaking Spanish and they don't subtitle it for us. And Hank has no idea what they're saying. And then he comes in, <laughs> you know.
2: And he just laughs because yeah. everyone else is laughing.
0: Oh, it's so good, <laughs> so funny. Ah, yeah, it's painful.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, his the 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 whole please, senor, or you know whatever, no DEA, please, you know. When he he does his his voice, I mean, like that's as about as tone deaf as you can get, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the senor uh, sante, he's like saint. Senor, I'm yeah. um, referring to uh, Mel Verde, the Bad Green. So yeah, um, really, uh, really tone deaf. It's it's uh, making fun of of an accent. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah,
2: and I, and I and I think what this does is is it does show that you know when we talked about in the um, in Tuco's last stand when we were talking about it, uh, you remember we I said he can do his job right you know and and you brought up the point that can he you know and i was thinking you know i was saying yeah he, in that moment he did but you know this is this is kind of showing that he was never really cut out for this job you know what i mean like for the for what it really is like the in the field stuff you know what i mean yeah like um the of course there's a cumulative effect of like yeah he he was in the shootout and now this is this is horribly violent or whatever else, but that is also his job and and one that he sort of took a lot of pride in you know uh, being so good at it or whatever you know what I mean and um that's a pretty interesting revelation for a a character to have right the, the, this be like what what the hell is wrong with me why why am I not able to do this i mean that's a that's a pretty compelling um internal conflict, right?
0: Oh, I, I definitely agree. And thinking of what, like
2: your whole thing is, I'm a tough guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the biggest tough guy in the room. And and now that you've actually gotten to the point in your career where you have to, you know follow through on that, it's not going so well. Well, you
0: mentioned a couple minutes ago that he was tone deaf by mocking like a, like a Hispanic accent, like a Mexican accent. Right. But it's more than that. Uh, like he is really out of touch with the culture of El Paso, right? Like if you're going to be dealing with the cartel, you should definitely speak the language. Right. Um, yeah. And he clearly doesn't. And you should really understand that culture, which I think to the point that the other officers were making, you need to know your enemy. Right, and he starts mm-hmm. quoting, yeah. um, was it Sun Tzu and like the Art of War and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think Hank is it, this in a way it kind of exposes one of his uh, his weaknesses, not just from being in this situation where he is so out of touch, right, but also his problem back home in Albuquerque too. He's so sure of himself, and uh, that blinds him to to certain realities. I think that he's yeah. not able to really see his enemy. It, the enemy doesn't have to speak a different language, or have a different skin color, or come from a different country, because we know his real enemy, you know, is his brother-in-law, right? And that's something yeah. I think that is really interesting. That that's I think that this whole uh, this whole interaction he has with the El Paso DEA really <laughs> gives a lot, a, a much deeper understanding to to I think his his character and his his shortcomings, if you will.
2: mm Hmm yeah and i yeah like I said, I think whenever I was doing the synopsis, I was saying that it it becomes really clear in that in that um hotel room because like you know they they've been working with this guy it's been it's been paying dividends, of course he's annoying and and he's the he's the turtle, you know he takes his time, but he always wins, and yeah you know that's you <laughs> it's not not something that that is is like great, you know what I mean that you're this guy's obviously a criminal and you're buying him stuff out of a catalog to to get get the information or whatever but you know you have to sort of like there's things like that that you have to deal with and you have to be able to to adapt and and he he doesn't really look capable of it in the way that he interacts here
0: yeah i mean to him it's it's a it's it's a a gross um overstepping of the law right that like that this guy uh Danny Trejo is so great in in this episode I just I love his character um so much mm-hmm. as as Tortuga is it's so offensive to Hank that this guy should ha- be able to control the narrative control what's happening in the room it's just uh, offensive to him right and he's trying to project mm-hmm. this image that he always tries to project that we're the tough you know, macho DEA, and you know we knock down doors and take names and yada yada yada. But that's clearly not how things, how things work down down there. And that's something that he really has a hard time coming to terms with. So I, I love how he's humbled in that um, in that scene. And then, of course, he'll be humbled in a in, in an even greater way, won't he?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I don't know if we need to really add too much more about the actual explosion. Um I think we we sort of touched on that. I did pick up from the the insider podcast that they had to shoot part of that in the studio mm-hmm. and when you go back and watch it you can kind of see the the one whenever he's looking through the binoculars you can see the the head on the on the tortoise and it's it's pretty obviously like if you know it's there it's pretty obvious like where they built that as a set for that one particular shot or whatever. But otherwise it's, uh, just a really, I mean, you know, this is TV. This isn't, uh, you know, a feature or whatever. And this is a pretty, pretty, as far as like the, the way that the, um, Head looks and the way the explosion goes off and everything else, it's it's pretty, pretty well put together.
0: Yeah. What's the matter, Schrader? You act like you've never seen a severed human head on a tortoise before. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think it was really yeah, imp-
2: famous last words. Yeah,
0: I thought it was really interesting though about why this or how this bothers him so much. And because he's used to violence, right? And if you remember him finding a uh, uh, Nodo's and um Tuco's brother-in-law. I'm blanking on his name.
2: Uh, oh, um,
0: Gonzo. Gonzo.
2: does and Gonzo. Yeah, yeah. does
0: and Gonzo. And you know, at that crime scene, you know, and and how uh, that he wants a photo with Stumpy and and stuff like that. But certainly, since the whole thing with Tuco, there's just been this shift with him. He's starting to experience PTSD, and he's he's horrified by um, by the that degree of of violence, right? And uh, again, maybe like this is a an example of he doesn't. Really understand just how depraved the cartel is. This is a another reminder that you know uh, of, of Tuco, but on a much grander scale, right? Of of that degree of of violence and depravity, and it's just too much for him.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that was the answer to to your question was that in. With with Gonzo and Nodos, that was he wasn't in he, he wasn't there was no threat there. Yeah, you know, like there was gore and there was blood and and he thought that was hilarious. You know, he wanted to take a picture of it and put it on the equivalent of you know social media at the time of him with Stumpy or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I think I think post Tuco was his life was really in danger. You know what I mean? And um, he barely got out of there and I, I guess there's two ways you could look at that as if you're in his shoes you're thinking i you know yeah i i i was up to the test i, I was able to I was able to pull it off but like there's a the very real you know physical reaction like psychological effect that that would have on you and um in this situation here you know it's it, it that that does it it very it, it shows you very clearly that this this dead severed head is you know he he reacts to that completely different than he did to to the body of of Gonzo you know what I mean mm-hmm. because after that after that situation with Tuco he's he's a changed man
0: yeah and this is just, just you know further traumatizing him but it's his trauma mm-hmm. that arguably saves him from grievous bodily harm right it's because he's yeah. So shocked, and then he says to you know he wants to go get an evidence bag that he gets uh far enough away from the the explosion where he's not physically harmed,
2: and he is able to get in there and put a tourniquet on mm-hmm. on uh, his his buddy there, yeah, <laughs> his new best friend uh, who who lost his leg, which is um, pretty gruesome as well.
0: It is. It is. And you know, uh, watching that particular scene with the the DEA of El Paso, um, at, at least to me, it, I was reminded kind of, of of Hank and Gomi and his his uh, crew back in Albuquerque and how they behaved at crime scenes. So they're really not too different. It's just that Hank mm-hmm. is so uncomfortable um, being in this this new world, right? But. Something that stood out to me, like Hank was so funded that they were willing to strike this deal with Tortuga and buy him whatever he wanted out of the the Sky Mall or whatever. And he thought, like, it, it read to me like he was he was thinking that they really uh, valued or appreciated this guy and were willing to do whatever they wanted to him. But then you can see how casual they are when the, his head is shows up on a tortoise. They are not bothered in the slightest. They did not give a shit about Tortuga Mm-mm. at all. They're well. laughing about it, like, oh, you act like you've never seen this before. So yeah. that was just something that that also stood out to me that um you know that Hank really isn't too different from these guys at least how he used to be in Albuquerque it's just his perceived differences that that are creating the barriers yeah. i think
2: yeah, and you know he he made himself the top dog in Albuquerque, yeah. and you know you don't really know if if this went over if if he stayed in this position and and this never happened he he may eventually adapt, but at least for what's important for him as far as the story is concerned right now is that he's he's incredibly traumatized exactly. from the shootout with Tuco, and uh, it's gonna have it's gonna have ripple effects all the way down uh, through throughout you know the rest of the story for him.
0: You're listening to Growth Decay Transformation. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, the boys are back in town. Just in time to heat up summer, our favorite blood-soaked, darkly humorous deconstruction of the superhero mythos returns on Amazon Prime Video. The boys season four gets started on June 13th, but we'll get the drop
3: on them with our preseason preview coverage the week before. It's been a while. Lots happened since last season. Two whole years, labor dispute, that kind of thing. But we'll be catching you up on all the major plot points and character beats as we left things off. Plus, we'll be looking at the trailers and latest news to piece together what to expect. I know one thing to expect. Right off the
1: bat, they're dropping three debut episodes for the premiere. Woo! But otherwise, who knows? Will Gus Fring reveal why he has absolutely no fear of Homelander? And while we're on that topic, will Butcher and the Boys figure out a way to stop Christian nationalist Superman? Will those crazy kids, Monster Man and Starlight, find a way to make things work? Come
3: laugh, cry, and maybe even throw up in your mouth a little with us as we discover the answers for ourselves of this season of The Boys. Find it by searching for the Department of Homeland Security wherever you listen to podcasts. Or subscribe to Ball Move Pulp to get all our coverage of sci fi, fantasy, and superheroic entertainment.
1: Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeny a car? The premise is simple, a Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeny. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why Is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, if very special isn't your speed, we've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why Is Mr. Feeney a Car each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd.
2: Tight, tight, tight. We're back with more GDT.: So I mean, what do we think about Walt here? Uh, he, is, he Is he incapable of learning what, what you, know, from his mistakes? Uh, is, is, yes? Like what's, what's going on here?: <laughs>
0: Easy answer, yes. Walt does not learn from his mistakes like ever <laughs> until like maybe like the last episode, right <laughs> of the series. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he's acting very much the way that Walt behaves and it's frustrating um, for for Jesse, I think, in in particular, of course, because they'd set up this clear, as they say, division of labor. I do the cooking, you do everything else. But then Walt keeps, you know, overstepping these boundaries like we need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. So now he wants to expand territory. Of course, he sees opportunity because everyone's scared of Jesse now because there's this again. So we've been talking about mythological or mythic rather I should say characters. So like we have the Jesus Malverde, but now we also have this myth or mythos of Jesse Pinkman, you know, being the guy that's gonna squash his his enemies with ATM machines, right? So um again appealing to this this idea of 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 this power that they they hold, um Walt gets drunk on that and he's like, we need to, you know, uh take advantage of this, capitalize it, um, expand our territory and stuff like that. And I love how adamant Jesse is about, no, we can't do this. We can't do this. And then we get the whole blowfish speech and that changes Jesse's mind. But then Jesse carries over that same enthusiasm when he's talking to Badger, Skinny mm-hmm. Pete, and uh, Combo. Like, you know, we're going to be kings or knights or whatever he says. We're going to – I'm going to be
2: a king yeah. and you're going to be, be like a princess. duke or whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, he, Jesse is so impressionable. And – um yeah. I know you were asking about, yeah, you were, you were asking about Walt, but Jesse, you know, he's, he's, um, as you say, malleable and, and, um, so easily persuaded where his instincts are often the the right ones. They should be listening to Jesse because Jesse is like, this is a bad idea. At least when it has
2: to do with, yeah, at least when it has to do with, with drug culture. Yeah. Right. I Mm -hmm. mean, if nothing else, he understands how, how that world that he's in works. Yeah. And, um, and Walt is just convinced that if he doesn't, if he's not, if he's incurious about it, if he just ignores the, the reality of, of how it works, that maybe he can bend it to his will, right? Mm-hmm. And what I think is so funny about this is that he goes and he sees Skinny Pete, Badger and Combo, right? He knows who Jesse is. He knows that this is his army. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like these are not these are not the kind of people that you you know like that you go out and and take over neighborhoods with.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, these they are don't like,
2: inspire a lot of confidence, yeah. right? These are your neighborhood like
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. They they t- it takes like an active. You know, you need to you need to just the cognitive dissonance is is there.
0: Yeah, you need the you need the muscle, you need the violence, um, and and none of and those these guys ain't those yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but again, Walt thinks that it doesn't matter. It's all about appearances, right? As long as people are are scared of of Jesse, they're gonna they're gonna deal. And then, um, I mean, Skinny Pete even says that like they didn't, he didn't have to chase people down. Everybody was, was and so you know, I I can see why Walt, why Walt is uh attracted to the idea. And of course, it's a bad idea. There are a lot of bad ideas. Um, in this, yeah. in this episode of this, you might as well just call this the episode of bad ideas. I mean, you could call the whole series that, but you see the seeds planted uh, for a lot of really, really, really bad ideas that are going to, you know, take root, um, further, further along in the series.
2: Two things that, um, I want to touch on here was one, I think it's hilarious that whenever they're, t- whenever, just to go back to, to Skyler talking to, to, um, head he asks how walt's doing and she says oh he's just plugging along you know mm-hmm. and that's and that's a fair description of what he was doing all the way up into the beginning of this of this series right mm-hmm. he's just plugging along of course she's leaving out the idea that he has cancer and all this other stuff but like as far as she's concerned he's obviously up to something but still no i no way that she you could could guess that he's he's um you know trying to to take over territory through a a a program of exponential growth in, in um you know meth manufacturing yeah but the, but the, but then the other thing is that i i wonder i mean is this all then like if we like we're watching closely we're talking about every single thing that happens and that you know that that stands out on a rewatch Is this all? Is this all still a reaction to that idea of him? You know, Jesse. Him, like the fact that he needs Jesse more than Jesse needs him. Is that? Is this him? Like lashing out in a way that is maybe not even that apparent to him.
0: I don't know. I don't. I really think this comes down to economics.
2: Or, or is this just desperation? Because there is that shot of him when he comes home. And you see him go straight into the bathroom and start coughing.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, something we haven't mentioned. We see that he is coughing a lot and we'll later learn it's, um, what is it called? Radiation pneumitis or something like that. But you know, in his head, what is he thinking? What does he think is that's what
2: I'm wondering. Yeah, going on is with it a him? reaction to? I mean, it's probably all of the above. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we're ha- we're doing a podcast <laughs> talking yeah. about breaking this down, so let, <clears throat> you know, we can we can look at it that way. But I think that's an interesting question, right? Is it a reaction to the fact that he's losing control in this relationship with Jesse, so he wants to do something insane because that's the way he reacts to that kind of situation, or is it that his desperation is is just increasing because he thinks he's... He's dying and um he wants to make it happen faster and, and, and the consequences just don't matter. I
0: think for him it's simply economics. He just wants the money, right? And um certainly after he finds out that his wife is going back to work, which is something he doesn't approve right, so of. So that makes
2: for an interesting parallel yeah. there right? Because yeah, she's doing the same thing. Exactly.
0: And they both even use the word economy. Well, she says economy because mm-hmm. like when um you know she th- explains to Ted why she's You know, applying for the job, she says, Well, you know, the economy. And then Walt's thinking about how, like, they can corner the market and raise their price, et cetera, et cetera, expand their territory. Again, he's thinking of economics and uh, another really interesting parallel between Walt and Schuyler, you could say, and we've already talked a lot about it, but just to put it more succinctly in a sentence, what they're both doing is they are crossing into new territories, dangerous territories, forbidden territories that they shouldn't be going uh-huh. to in search for money, right, and and uh, for yep. financial reasons. so Schuyler. Is crossing um, perhaps a fidelity line, a marital line, and Walt is going to put um, dealers into, you know, onto streets that don't belong to him. And in both cases, there's a lot of fallout, right? Like we can see um, Mm -hmm. how none of this is is a good idea. And costs them dearly um, in several ways. So with Beneke, it costs, like, the money that he needs to get out of town when he's afraid of Gus, right? Because she gives the money to (laughs) to Ted. And um, they're going to lose Combo as a a result of of what they're doing here. So, again, like, something you always say, Pete, is this feels like a setup episode. Setting up the things for what's going to happen later. And this, I think, is very much, again, one of those setup episodes. We're getting... um, as as I said earlier, the seeds are planted to see like how all this bad shit's gonna go down. Uh,
2: there's a there was a would you say that it's layered?
0: Like nachos? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> layered like nachos. There was a there was a good um combo. I, I I like combo. He's a great character. He's like he's like somewhere in between, right? Like he he's almost he's almost competent.
0: That might uh, be generous. Out of the... <laughs> that might be generous.
2: But but I mean like that's not that's not right. Okay, he's he's not almost competent, but he's the one that seems to be almost self aware. Does that make sense?
0: He certainly seems smarter than Badger, who I think is the dumbest of the group by far. Badger's really stupid. I don't um, know,
2: Skinny Pete ain't, isn't exactly um,
0: Einstein. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. He's not winning any spelling bees or uh you know he's he's they're, they're both Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's a low bar I guess is what we're saying yeah. but Combo sometimes he has these moments of like um self-awareness like that yeah, I'm, I'm dumb, but I know that I'm dumb, so it's okay. Well, you know certainly I mean?
0: compared to, to Badger and Skinny Pete, like he's definitely smarter. He's a cut above. But as you said, the bar, yeah. is, the bar is pretty low. Um, from what we know of Combo, right? Like he seems like, you know, just like a normal guy. And I mean, he's obviously mixed up with some bad people. He likes to party. He steals an RV from his own mother, which is pretty pretty awful. He still lives with his mother, you know? So he's, he's a loser, right? Like guy is... Uh Is at least he's depicted that way. Not to say that if you still live at home with your mom, you're a loser, but you know, the fact that he steals from her and he just goes to like titty clubs and he just gets high all the time, you know.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you you got, you, whenever you see them, the cops talk to her about that, whenever Hank, it's Hank that goes to talk to her, right? You Mm -hmm. see that, you know, um, he, he did, uh, he did strain their relationship quite a bit beyond that.
0: Mrs. Ortega. That's a sad scene. What a great actress she was. They get a lot of really great um, supporting,
2: yeah,
0: uh, guest guest actors. So,
2: yeah, but I, I was the 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 line that he says here that I really liked was he says, "Ain't got no confusions and interpretations as to who we work for." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's like one of those lines they give those those characters where they're just it, like they're making it up as they go along, like they're they're just trying out language. You know what I mean? Like this is a word I can I could probably pull off here. You know, I love the way that they they
0: do that. It's again, it's kind of like um you know like what his interpretation of like what it's like to work for the cartel or something like that because it's similar mm-hmm. to a line that we hear. I think um, Nodos is the one who says, "Like, just don't forget who you're working for," and that's when yeah. uh, Tugo beats him to death. So, like this idea of like you know showing respect and paying your respect. So, you know, it is it is a clumsy way of of saying it, right? But they're scared. They're scared of of, uh, of Walt and you know this idea that Jesse could really be, you know, capable of that degree of violence.
2: I it's a it's a cool. Um... I guess it's the Cold War Museum. Is that what is that where they're at?
0: Yeah, the nuclear war. So they're playing like the song from I think it was the nineteen fifties, the duck and cover song that they used to mm-hmm. play to teach kids how to like hide under their desks and stuff like that. And there's a picture of uh, Werner Heisenberg, I think, somewhere in the museum. So of course that's where mm-hmm. uh, Walt gets his uh, his nom de plume from. And of course all the explosions and stuff, you know, tortoises and. It's worth.
2: So what about your favorite line then? What what is your favorite line in this episode?
0: I had to go with "I'm a blowfish," you know. So that <laughs> that whole exchange when uh when Walt is trying to talk Jesse up and and everything, and um just something that did just occur to me, Pete, that we didn't talk about um because you you kind of broached this idea though of like Walt and this this power differential between him and Jesse. I think Walt gets some of that back. In this exchange, right, so where Walt is able to illustrate to Jesse, of course, everything that Jesse just went through at the Spooch House also illustrates it to Jesse that he's no Tuco. But like how Walt is kind of like you know, like she, like when he when he figures out that it was um, Mrs. Spooch who had Jesse's gun on him and everything, mm-hmm. you know, Jesse kind of loses his his street cred there. So this idea, this division of labor, Jesse sort of proves that he's not really up to to the task. But, um, so I do think that's a something maybe we'll, we'll explore as we continue the series and this relationship between Walt and Jesse. But I had to, yeah, go with the blowfish line because, um, it's a, it's hilarious how. How uh, <laughs> Jesse repeats it over and over, mm-hmm. and like a, like a personal mantra. Um, what about you? What was your favorite line?
2: I had to go. Uh, I I think I mentioned some of the other ones that I was thinking of picking already, but the one I went with in the end was Jane. Um, in her first interaction with Walt, and she says, "And you knocked, right?" You know, as a as a question. But um, really like the line delivery there. Um, uh, because it it, it be, i mean Walt doesn't get it at all he's just like i i want in give me access right mm-hmm. he's like a robot you know like this this person is like completely insignificant uh you know like can you cuz it, it was funny because he says she says can i help you and he says no he doesn't even really think twice about it and then he hears that she she's the landlord or the manager and he's like oh yes i do need your help come to think of it right so he you know he just sort of disregarded her because she didn't fit into like what he was doing and then um i really liked the way she came back with that and you knocked right you know like and and what happened you know like what does that mean when you knock on someone's door yeah. and they <laughs> don't open <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put it together here.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's also, I think, a, a great little insight into how Walt is really starting to think of himself as being above the law, right? So like, mm-hmm. and I think Jane, you know, makes the case like why she can't let him in. It's, you know, he has rights, he's an adult and so on and so forth. Even if Walt is his quote unquote father, right? Um, It reminded mm-hmm. me of that particular scene, reminded me of a scene that happens much later when Walt breaks into Saul's office and he crashes through the glass, and like Francesca is like really pissed off about it, and she's like, "No, I have to like mm-hmm. wait and get this freaking window fixed," and yada yada yada. And like Walt doesn't consider other people at all; he's so self-centered. So, um, I thought this yeah. was yeah, he just doesn't give a shit about what anyone else thinks. He doesn't care about what the law is. He's just going to get what he wants.
2: And it and, it's, and it does set her up, knowing what we know, to 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 be a foil to him. Like you said, you know, yeah. like she's not she's not intimidated by him right away which is which is a nice nice signal from the character. Yep,
0: she has a barrier between him and Jesse right from their very yep. very first meeting.
2: Mhm. And uh so what about a shot? What was your favorite shot?
0: So, there were a couple, right? Um obviously there were some really big ones to choose from in this one and I didn't want to go with anything like uh too big, but there were two things that stood out to me. The first one is when Jesse is meeting with the boys at the the um, atomic science museum and he's giving them that speech about how they're gonna be, you know, they're gonna own the city or whatever. I love the shot from mm-hmm. like it's like from the floor up and then you see like the four fists come in. I thought that was really, mm-hmm. really cool how they they bumped their fists, but I had to go with the final shot of the episode with Jesse and Jane holding hands. Um, I love that moment. We've already talked a little bit about it. I hinted that I was going to be talking about this as my favorite shot. Mm-hmm. And I love that the screen in front of them says, you know, searching for signal. Or acquiring satellite signal, searching. And so I took that as a visual rhetoric for he is searching for a signal himself, right? He's waiting for a sign from her because she's sitting there completely deadpan, not reacting at all. He's so uncomfortable. He's sweating. He's like looking nervously over his shoulder at her. And she's just looking straight ahead. Don't be
2: six point whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then she... Just very quietly reaches her hand down and, you know, extends her fingers. And that's it. That's the signal that he was waiting for. So who cares about the satellite signal? He got the real signal that was important to him. Yeah, hopefully
2: that TV never comes on now. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's black and blue, too. That's another one of those references to the title, you know, the blue screen with the black... um, border around it
0: yeah and of course we know that the signal eventually does come on we'll see that in the next episode that's like the first time they're Mm. intimate so like we know like yeah we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in the next one what about you what was what was your favorite shot of this one
2: yeah well i mean mine would have been the same there this is one of those situations where i think that is the that's the 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 hands hands down the most interesting one but then you have this whole tortuga situation yeah. <laughs> so i yeah i i defaulted back to that because we you know where the way that they shot that is you know like where it comes into like you did have an idea of what it was but it's so absurd the first time you see it you're not even really sure what's happening right like you see this turtle with the with uh danny trejo's head on it and you're just like is it a dream is it is he hallucinating like what's happening right so they show the way the way that they shoot this when it comes in, like you know, it's you see their legs and it's sort of the turtle kind of is being a turtle, you know, moving slow, and so it sort of just kind of reveals that, and the way that it reveals the the Ola DEA, you know, that's painted on there mm-hmm. is like I think the timing of that and the way that it's all set up is really good because. At least as far as I remember, I was like, what is happening here? What's going on? And like, oh, this is, a, this is a sign, you know, like they, they knew that he was a, you know, like you put it all together as you're, as you're, you know, saying like, you know, as you're watching in real time, like, okay, so this is what's happening here. And I just thought that that everything about that works really, really well. I mean, that's just, um, there's just nothing wrong with that. And uh, it's always impressive to see something like that. So that, yeah, that was my favorite one.
0: It's such a great shot too. And and to really remember what it was like the first time you saw it. And as as I said, like I remember vividly seeing this and being like, oh my God, there's a head on this tortoise. And then mm-hmm. so that was shocking. But then they upped the ante by making it explode. And I was like, oh, this the show is incredible, right?
2: It, and it, it even and it even got a little bit crazier when I listened to the insider podcast because I hadn't thought about wrangling a tortoise. I mean, like, this is a real uh animal
0: yeah you know, animal what was his name Otis? and it's not
2: like a dog <laughs> it's not like a dog you know i mean you can train it to to come to you or whatever like they you know they were talking about it how they have to wait until it's dinner time right to otherwise show his
0: lettuce
2: <laughs> no way that no way that the turtle's doing anything you know what i'm saying so they have to wait until it's time for it to eat so that they can entice it with some lettuce and um The 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 his trainer, I guess, right? Like the 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 woman who handles him or whatever was like calling his name and everything else. And it's like, yeah, it's it's really cool to think about how much went into to that. And then like it could have all went wrong, you know what I mean? Like they said later in the thing, the reason why they had to build the set was because after it gets cold a little bit, then he just sort of goes in a shell and he doesn't want to doesn't want to hang out anymore. Yeah, so they had to. (laughs) They had to cut
0: it a put him in bit his trailer with they... his heater on <laughs> poor guy, yeah,
2: yeah, so um fascinating all the way around, just great, great um great craft there all the way on i mean the 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 core like the way that they all blow up, the way that the you know the whole thing is put together is perfect, really good,
0: agreed, yeah, it's, this is a good one from the music video to that explosion to uh the the final scene with Jesse and Jane. All right, so uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow our podcast and hit that bell for notifications. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts, and those who wish to support GDT can do so by going to our Patreon at patreon.com slash growth decay transformation.
2: Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Breaking Bad GDT, and please write to us, you know, send us some feedback, let us know what you're thinking about the episodes, Um, ask us questions if you want, we can put them together maybe and do a mailbag episode at some point, you can reach us at BreakingBadGDT at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, so thanks for listening. Join us next week when we'll be talking about Better Call Saul. I know I'm really looking forward to this one. I know you are, 2P, because we've been talking about it behind the scenes forever. Yeah. Cannot wait to talk about Saul, so make sure you tune into that one.
2: Yeah, Join us. join us next week for sure.